right, so we're going to look, um, one of the first stories that we're going to look at is going to be in Luke chapter 11, so if you want to turn there, you're, you're more than welcome to. Uh, I first want to tell you a story about, um, there's a, a preacher who owned, who owned a donkey. You ever heard about the preacher who owned a donkey? No? Um, there's, a, there's a preacher that owned, that owned a donkey, and one day he decided that, you know, hey, what, you know what, I just don't really want this donkey anymore. So he decided he was going to sell the donkey. So he found somebody. Somebody came to him and, and wanted to buy the donkey and came and bought the donkey. So while he was in the middle of the transaction and selling the donkey, he told the guy, he said, hey, listen, I just want to let you know, uh, I've I, I raised this donkey, I've trained this donkey so that you can know what to do to kind of, um, you know, have this donkey and make it do right, all right? You know, right? So... Um, he said, when I was training the donkey, I trained the donkey that whenever you say hallelujah, the donkey will move forward. And whenever you say amen, the donkey will stop. So if you say hallelujah, the donkey will go. And if you say amen, uh, the donkey will stop, right? Because that's what preachers do. We're going to use Christian words to train the donkey, okay? So the guy's like, okay, yeah, that's fine. So he gets the donkey. He sits on top of the donkey, and he's just going to try it out. He says, hallelujah, and, and the donkey trots on down the road. And he goes, amen, and the donkey stops. So, he, so being pleased with this donkey purchase that he has, he says, hallelujah, and moves on down the road. All right. After riding the donkey for you know, several hours, he noticed uh, as they're riding along, as they were, uh, as they were traveling, he noticed that um, just, just a short ways ahead of him was a cliff. And the donkey was just moving forward, uh, you know, just running towards this cliff. And all of a sudden, he realized that he forgot the word that he needed to make the donkey stop. So he said, stop, you know, halt. You know, uh, what, he, he cried out any word that he could think of. And, uh, you know, then he's like, oh, it's got it's script, uh, Bible, church, please stop. And, and the donkey continued to run, getting closer and closer to this cliff. And so finally, not knowing what to do, he said, please, Lord, please make this donkey stop. And if you will, I will serve you all my life. Amen. And the donkey stopped right before the cliff. He goes, hallelujah. <laughs> Anyways, those preacher jokes. Um, so, uh, also, uh, just in case you haven't heard this, uh, we've been announcing this for the past couple weeks, but we raised our $50,000 to build. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Okay. So, this past week, um, I've actually, I got a chance to meet with a builder. They got to go through some stuff where they, you know, the architect engineers got to do some drawings so they can come up with a cost, uh, you know, a, an estimated cost, and then we got to take that to the bank. That's kind of where we are. So, it's going to be a couple weeks before you know, any more news breaks of that kind of stuff, but just kind of want to let you know, for those of you who hadn't heard, we are on our way to glory, to the promised land. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, so, um, you know, when I was praying about 2019, I felt like God said that, um, that 2019 was going to be a year of breakthrough, and we're going we're gonna to break ground, and we're going to break through, all right? So, but uh, it, it was kind of, I don't know, like I really struggled with that, thinking that it was just kind of, you know, cliche for, 
you know, a pastor and, and church and stuff, and, you know, I've seen a lot of other people kind of having the same kind of theme, and maybe it's just something that God wants to do, but I, I really, after praying more and more, I felt like that that was truly what God wanted to do. And so last week, we were talking about breakthrough and kind of positioning yourself for breakthrough and, and how, um, you know, while, while God does a, a breakthrough in our, and can do significant momentary breakthroughs in our life, uh, a lot of times we have to position, put ourselves in the right place. So, for example, and I talked about this, that how um, most of what you need in life, God will bring to you. But what you want, you'll have to go get. Okay? And now, understanding the difference between a need and a want sometimes is where things get a little bit hairy for us. Because how many of you know, how many of you got children, you know, they're like, but I need McDonald's, and I need the iPhone X, and I need, you're like, no, you don't. Okay? That's what you want. And, and we're the same way. We're like, oh, but I need, all right? So um, most of what, and, and you look at the Israelites in the wilderness, uh, the things that they needed, water, food, shelter, God brought those things to them, and he continued to sustain and provide them. But what they wanted was in the promised land, and in order for them to get the promised land, what, what was in the promised land, they had to go get it, all right? They had to go to the promised land and get it. And so we have to understand that breakthrough in our life is not something that we sit around like under a tree like Buddha did waiting for enlightenment. It's something that we have to, uh, there, there's, there are steps that we have to take in, the, in, in order to position ourselves. And last week we were talking about the, the significance behind what you think about, all right? How what you think about plays a significant role uh, in your ability to position yourself for, for breakthrough in your life. So if, if your, th your thinking has to line up with God's thinking in order for you to be in the right place for breakthrough to happen, right? So as long as your thinking about you or any circumstances in your life is different than the way that God thinks about you or those circumstances, then, then you're not going to receive breakthrough. You have to position yourself. You have to think of yourself or you have to think of your circumstances the way that God sees those circumstances. And when your thinking doesn't line up with God's thinking, then you're not in a position where God can do anything. All right? So if you think, like, I will never get above where I am, I will never get beyond where I am, I'm no good for anything, I'm always a failure, I can't work good, I can't keep a job, I can't make good money, uh, I can ne I'm never going to be healed of this sickness, and, and, and you think of all of these things, these things are things that you think of in your life, then, then your thinking is contrary to what God's word has to say, and you're, no, you're not in a position where God can do something for you. All right? Now, one of the things that you can do, because here's the thing, most of the time we, we think that we think like we should think. <laughs> we think that we think like we should think, and most of the time we really don't. Like we say, well, I, I believe in God, and I believe in healing, and I believe that he's my provider, and I believe that he can do this. But um, so if you want to take, uh, if you want to measure what it is that you think about, take inventory of what you talk about. All right, so if your talking, all right, is is different than what you say that you believe, then what you believe is what you is different than what you think you believe. Okay, because what you really believe and what you really think about will come out of your mouth. There's nothing that passes, there's nothing that goes out of your mouth that doesn't pass through your mind first. Okay, 
So even if you are somebody who doesn't have a filter and you just say what comes ever comes to your mind, it still comes to your mind first. Okay? It still comes to your mind first. And, and for most of us, it, it processes through our mind many times before it ever comes out of our mouth. Okay? So if you want to take an inventory of what you think about, take a look at what you talk about, all right? And so if what you talk about, like, well, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and you say that I just don't know if God loves me, and I don't know if he's for me, and I don't know if he's watching out for me, and, and you're saying all this kind of stuff's coming out of your mouth, then understand that that, that is, a, that is a, um, a mirror to what it is that's in your mind. Okay, and so you've got to make sure that you, all right, so you got it, so you've got to think about, we got to think about our lives, we got to think about our circumstances, the way that God thinks about us, so what you have to do is you have to get the Bible, and you got to get his word, and you got to know how, what, how God thinks, all right, you got to know how God thinks, and we talked about last week how uh, a significant, Jesus spent a significant amount of time uh, correcting his disciples in the way that they thought, I mean, over and over and over again, he was constantly, these people lived with Jesus, and yet he was still having to chastise them over the fact that they thought about things the wrong way, all right? And so today, though, we're going to be looking at something new. You've got to position yourself correctly with the way that you think, and then uh, today I want to talk to you about um, persistent prayer, persistent prayer. And, and I'll, let's, you know, let's just be honest, I, I think that as a whole, the church talks more about prayer than we actually do pray. All right, um, I think that we all in here would mentally agree or understand that prayer is an important discipline in the Christian's life, but then, like, how much do we actually pray, you know, in a 24-hour day? How much do we actually pray in comparison to how much we listen to, you know, 103.7, or, you know, we watch, you know, TV, or, or, or whatever it is that we do, um, you know, how much, do, how much time do we actually give to that discipline that we all think is, is an important discipline to have? So, um, but we're going to talk about this, this persistent prayer, and, and, and kind of take a look at some things here, because if you want breakthrough in your life, and this is something that we, we've discussed, and I, I talked about, I think last week I had people, you know, raise their hands, say, who wants breakthrough? And, and the vast majority of us probably could say, at some level, at some place, in our life, we would like to have breakthrough, whether it's, you know, maybe it's with our children or whether it's our finances or maybe it's in our mind, the things that we think about, or maybe it's um, at our job or maybe it's just with a job. I don't know. A lot of us sitting here would say, you know what, I, if I'm being honest, I need God to break through in an area of my life. In this, we all probably have needs and things in our lives that we need God to just bring sudden, rapid change that is good, you know, kingdom of God change for us. All right, and so one of the ways that we bring and see are able to see. You remember, okay, that that most of what we want, uh, we got to go get, and what we need, God will bring to us. What we want, we've got to go get, and and this part of going and getting is this part of of praying, and and not only just praying for something, but persistent prayer. This is where um, the um, the name it claim it gospel really kind of you know, lost, now here's the thing, you know, there's all kinds of really, there's all kinds of, there's, throughout, you know, church history, there's all, been all kinds of maybe um, movements that maybe kind of st steered in the wrong direction, right, things, 
things maybe weren't done appropriately or the right way or, or maybe things... But there's always an element of truth to, to every, every movement that there's ever been, even in, in, the, in the Christian... There's an element of truth. Generally what happens when somebody kind of goes way too far with one particular idea that we try to throw the baby out with a bathwater. We're like, well, then name it, claim it, and, you know, stay away from that. You know, Pentecostalism, these guys are much crazy people. Let's stay away from that. You know, so we're just trying to stay away from everything that people abuse when the truth be known is that there's, there's an element of truth within all of it. And, and is, there is an element of truth about uh, the power of your words and the things that you say with your mouth and the ability to claim and speak. You remember Jesus said, if you say with your mouth, be thou cast into the sea, do not doubt in your heart, what, but believe that what you say, it will happen for you. So there was a, a name it, claim it moment that Jesus said that you could say to this mountain, be thou cast, and it would happen if you do not doubt. Okay, so there's an element of truth to the, the, the simple truth of what you come out of your mouth. But where, where they got it wrong was like if you, you know, if you name it and claim it, you know, then, and it, it doesn't happen immediately, then there must be something wrong with you, you know, or this kind of thing. And it really kind of what it does is takes away the element of what, persi- what, what persistence in prayer needs to mean. It almost makes God, can turn God into this, you know, heavenly vending machine that if I just pushed all the buttons right, then boom, my blessing is going to come down. And, uh, and of course we know that that's, that's not scriptural either. So, but this persistence in prayer, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, and it's just a, a quick reference here, we're going to get over to Luke here in a second, but in Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 7, it says, in the days of the flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. So in the days that Jesus walked in the flesh, the Bible says that Jesus offered up prayers and supplication, okay? You know what, you know what supplication is? It's the action of asking or begging for something earnestly. This is prayers and supplication. It's the, the, the action of asking or begging for something earnestly. Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears, Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. Let me ask you something. What if you were in here this morning in worship and somebody started yelling out really loud, crying in worship? I'd be like, what's going on over there? You know? What, what, what's that person doing over there? I mean, that's, that's, a, little, that's a little bit, you know, I mean, because we're not used to that kind of stuff, right? I mean, but, but what if it was Jesus that was here in the flesh that while in worship was crying out with loud cries and tears? You see, I think to a degree, okay, uh, this, this kind of goes against our subconscious understanding of what's the appropriate way to be, you know, when you're in a, a public place or in a house of worship, um, you know, that our Americanized version of Christianity teaches us that we need to be dignified, we need to be strong, we need to be put together, we don't need to look like we're desperate. But the Bible says that Jesus, when he was in the flesh, that there were many times in his life where he prayed desperate prayers, that he gave supplication, an earnest cry, a loud cry of begging earnestly for God to do something. 
And yet, you know, we want, we want our prayers to sound more like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's what we want our prayers to be. And we see, you know, the exact opposite in Scripture, especially as it relates to the issue of breakthrough. Especially as it issues, uh, it, it, it's related to the issue of breakthrough. Um, so, here, here's the thing. And, and this is kind of gets to the, my, my point of this, this desperation. Right? You, you, will, um, you will never receive breakthrough for something in your life that you are even just moderately okay with. Okay? If there is something in your life that is not the way it should be, and you are just moderately okay with it being there, you'll never receive breakthrough for it. If you're just like, yeah, just, you know, well, you know what, I'll get over it one day, or, you know what, maybe it'll get better eventually, you know, or I just, you know, one of these days God's going to do something for me. Uh, that right there is a sign that you are moderately okay with where you're at. And when we're moderately okay, even just moderately, maybe you're fully okay. I'm just saying, like, you're just, you're a, just a little bit, like, I am just, I am just a little bit okay with kind of dealing with this and dealing with this problem and having this problem. It's really not that big a deal. I'll just persevere through it, whatever, this kind of thing. We, we make all these things. Whatever it is in your life that you are moderately okay with, you'll never receive breakthrough. There has to come a point of desperation in your life to get to a place of breakthrough. You've got to become desperate for change in that area. Because, see, desperation will drive you to the point when you begin to pray, it'll no longer be like, well, Lord, if you will, that'd be great. If not, okay. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. We, then we start crying out to God. God, please, I beg you, please, God, have mercy, do something. God, I need a, I must have a breakthrough in this area. And then you can begin to beg and cry out and pray with supplication earnestly before God to do something on your behalf. And if you want breakthrough, it's going to take some persistent prayer. You're going to have to make sure that you think the appropriate way and also you're praying through. <clears throat> Just think of every miracle that ever happened in Jesus' day. Every miracle that ever happened, those people were desperate for God to do something. They were desperate. None of them were like, well, Jesus, if you can, it'd be, it'd be cool. But if not, I understand, you're the son of God, you're busy, you got other things going on. <laughs> no, I mean, think, go back and read the stories yourself. Read the stories of these people who, who, uh, took a paralytic guy, a friend of theirs, and climbed up on a roof with a guy that can't walk. So a couple friends carries their paralytic friend, their guy that can't walk. They carry him up onto the roof. Look, now I'm just telling you, I don't even like getting onto the roof of a house by myself, okay? I'm scared of heights, and I don't even like climbing up ladders, all right? And much less, I'm going to climb up a ladder and try to drag my friend who can't walk, okay? And who knows how big this guy is. I mean, we're not talking about a three or four-year-old kid. We're talking about a man. Okay? They're carrying a man who can't walk, who probably hasn't been losing weight, so he's probably not a skinny dude because he can't exercise. They're having to carry him up on to the roof and then break a hole in the roof to drop their friend down. 
People that are just moderately okay with where they are don't do that. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just, like, this is not what you do when you're just, like, okay with where you are in life. Um, the woman with the issue of blood who pushed through the crowds and knowing that every person that she touched on the way she was going to make them unclean and the people were not going to like the fact that she was there, pushed through anyways thinking that if I could just touch the hem of his garment, okay, he can make me whole. That was, this lady was at a point of desperation. The blind man who was calling out for Jesus and, and the disciples told him to be quiet. Hey, can you imagine? calling out for Jesus, being desperate, and the people around you be like, hey, be quiet, you know, right? Like you're in church, and you're just desperate for God to do something, so you just start crying out, God, do something, and the ushers come over and be like, hey, shh, shh, and this guy keeps crying out anyways. He doesn't listen to the ushers and the disciples that are around him telling him to keep it down. That's just not the cool thing to do right now. He continues to cry out anyways. He finally gets Jesus' attention, and guess what? He received his breakthrough. But he would have never received his breakthrough if you're like, well, wow, I really wish Jesus would do something for me. I mean, he's just right over there. Why can't he reach all the way over here and do something for me? Anything that we're just moderately okay with in our life, we're not going to ever receive breakthrough because you're just, you're okay with it. And as long as you're okay with it, why do you expect God to do something for you? Huh? Why do you expect God to do something for you on your behalf that you're okay with, that you're, you're fine with having and living with and being that way. No, you've you got to understand that it's, it's, it's it, you know, even from a, a corporate standpoint as a church, if we're okay being where we are, all of our existence, we're just okay. Like, well, I'm just okay. i got my friends. And we care nothing about the dying world around us. Why do we expect God to bring breakthrough at Church on a Rock if we're a bunch of people who are okay with our position here at church? That we're okay with where we're at. We're okay with the fact that there are, are people that are hurting in our schools, uh, in our city, in these houses, people that are depressed and hurting and suicidal and going through all kinds of issues in their life, and we're okay if they're not here because we're here and we're around people that we love and love us. Why do we think God's going to bring breakthrough to us if we're just moderately okay being the way that we are? We, we have to be desperate. Desperate people are the ones. You know, you, you, you know um, um, Charles Wesley and John Finney and all these guys that were revivalists back in the 1800s, 1700s, these guys that ushered in moves of God that brought in hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom of God. They, these guys were men that were known that when they would go pray to God, they would say, when they would go in their prayer closet and they would pray, they would, they would literally say, God, give me souls or take me from this earth. Give me souls Give me lives. Help me to reach people for your name or just take me home because I don't want to be here anymore if I'm not reaching people. All right? And they did this constantly. Constantly they prayed these prayers. And it's no wonder, it's no wonder that God finally answered their prayer and brought breakthrough and ushered in moves of God that swept hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom because they weren't satisfied. They weren't satisfied with just being a normal preacher, a normal person, whatever. They, they weren't moderately okay with that position in their life. So what we have here 
in Luke, Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story here um, that, so, you know, and, and I talk about this, you know, being desperate and, and, you know, being satisfied. The reason is, is because it's hard to be persistent in prayer as long as you're satisfied with God not answering the prayer. Okay? You're not going to ever be persistent in prayer as long as you're satisfied with the answer um, that maybe you feel like that you're receiving or the lack of answer that you feel like that you're getting. You, you remember the, um, the lady who, who came to Jesus and, and asked, her, asked him for a healing and Jesus said, um, it, it would, uh, you know, I came for the people of Israel and not be right for me to give uh, what belongs to um, the Israelites to dogs, right? He says, I, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so it's probably a really bad paraphrase. But he says, hey, I can't give, because it was a Samaritan woman, and he says, I, I, it wouldn't be right to give bread that belongs to the children to the dogs, right? And that, that was a pretty bad answer for Jesus to give. I mean, if you want to be honest, I mean, that would be a really easy opportunity for somebody to be offended at Jesus, all right? Because basically, Jesus just called her a dog, all right? But if anything, probably Jesus was just trying to test to see how bad she wanted or what she was asking for. Because then she came back and she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. And Jesus is like, like, dang, you get it. You get it. She, this, this, this woman wasn't satisfied with the answer no or with the, um, the you know, uh, being ignored or whatever it was. She wasn't satisfied with it. And she was going to continue to be persistent. All right? So Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 11, verse 5, it says, And he said to them, Which one of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, let me have three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Though he will not get up and get, uh, give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his in, impudent, impudence, okay, just so you know, that means persistence, okay, just came out funny, okay, because of his persistence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. All right, so Jesus tells the story. He's saying that the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this, that um, it's like a friend who has guests who show up. He doesn't have any food for him, so he goes to another friend's house, and he says, hey, um, you know, if you will, uh, I need some bread. And the guy's like, hey, man, I've already turned out the lights. The kids are in bed, which is another problem right there, right? I mean, you know, kids don't need the kids in bed. You know, kids ought to have their own bed, all right? <clears throat> and... Uh, so he's like, hey, the kids are in bed. I can't, all right? He says, hey, the guy won't get up and get him something because he's a friend. But if the guy keeps knocking on the door saying, hey, hey, man, please come. I need your help. No, no, no. He's not going to take no for an answer, okay? How many know what's going to happen? The guy's going to be like, ah, right? He's going to get out of bed. He's going to go get something just because he's like, leave me alone. So 
this brings up maybe kind of like a, a weird thing as it relates because Jesus is talking about persistent prayer, being persistent in prayer and not, not stopping uh, in your prayer life, not giving up in your prayer life, all right? How many of you know you got kids, right? And they just, and like, they'll come and ask you for something like, no. And they ask you again like, no. And then by the sixth, seventh time they've asked you, like, like, if I just, if I want my sanity, I'm going to have to give them what they want right now, right? Or you just be like, you just be like really mean, like, I'm going to ground you if you ask me again, boy. <clears throat> All right? Which I've done before, right? But sometimes, sometimes, like when they, right? So Skylar, she, she does this thing, she's three years old now, so she don't know no better. And, and you know, when you're, when you're the fourth child, you've got, you've got to fight for attention, so, you know, we'll be talking and to either between each other or to some of the kids, and Skylar come out, Mom, 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 Mom. Skylar, stop, I'm talking to somebody. Mom, but Mom, Mom. You're like, what? What already? Okay, stop calling my name. All right. So, I love you know, that, that story is relative even in. You know, as a father, and the way that we, you know, deal with our children is that maybe, and, and so I know this gets into maybe, you know, the weird nature of us as fathers and maybe, you know, our you know, impatience that people kind of bother us or whatever. But whatever it is, though, that Jesus is saying that, 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 that prayer is like that. That prayer sometimes can be like that. That just because you go to God and you ask Him to do something one time doesn't mean that you need to just stop asking. Okay, because maybe you just need to go back again and again and again and say, God, I'm just reminding you, hey, I just want you to know, hey, Dad, 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 hey, I know you got a million other people out there you're dealing with right now, but Daddy, hear me. And you keep going over and over and over again. And the Bible says that that persistence will cause God to act and will cause Him to move on your behalf. I think that's pretty cool. Right? Because, you know, it's also something that I think there's a part of that. It's a part of the enduring faith process. It's part of, you know, making sure that, you know, you really, really want it, right? You, you it's not something you're just like casually like, oh God, if you could do something for me, it'd be great. Um, you know, I know that there are times, uh, even in, as I, I've dealt with my children, you know, when they ask for something and ask for it one time, a lot of times I just won't even get it for them because I'm like, well, I don't even know if they really want it. But when they continue to ask over and over and over again, it shows me that they really, really want what they're asking for. And it's not just maybe a fad or something in the moment that, that, that they, you know, like we're walking around the store and like, oh, hey, this would be cool. It, you know, it's something that they really want. And then I know that when, when I get it for them, they're going to appreciate it a lot more as, as, as opposed to just something that just popped in their brain, all right? So again, it's the same type of thing. It shows what, what, what's serious. It shows what means something to us when we continue to push forward uh, for, for what God has. And, and the truth be known is that, you know, um, um, we have no idea what's going on. Listen, so there's a, there's a spiritual realm around us 
Uh, that even, even here now, there's spiritual warfare that goes on all the time, even now that happens as a result of, of, of um, see, we got some, we have some special graphics going on. Is that what happened here? We, did y'all like that? There's a new touch to our sermon series. Um, um, <clears throat> try to get myself back where I was. <clears throat> we have no idea what computers are going to do, and we have no idea what's happening in the realm of spirits, right? Um, so, there's a story in the book of Daniel that we're going to turn to that, that was that's insightful about this battle that's taking place um, all around us that, that we have to be aware of. And so, you know, the, the Bible doesn't tell us a ton of information about angels and demons, but we have enough information to know that they're there, and we have enough information to know some things, to have some knowledge about, you know, who they are and kind of, um, you know, some of the things that they do and, and how that, it, it, you know, affects us. And so this is one of the stories where we, get, we gain a little bit of insight. And so in Daniel chapter 10, uh, I'm going to start in verse 14, uh, start in verse 4, uh, just to, so that we can gain the context. Um, but, or I'll start a little bit earlier. It says, in those days I, Daniel, was warning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. For the full three weeks. So Daniel is actually on a 21-day fast here is what he's doing. So just so you know what's going on here, he's, he's doing a 21-day fast. It's kind of where we get, not that all fasts have to be 21 days, but it's kind of the same principle uh, by which we get the 21-day fast, you know, in our Christian world as well. So this is what's happening in Daniel. He says, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of a great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from, uh, from Euphus uh, around his waist. And his body was like beryl, and his face appeared as lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, and his arms and legs were like gleams of bronzed gold, uh, I'm sorry, a, a gleam of uh, burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. All right, so... Here we're getting the description of an angel. Okay, his eyes were like fire. When he spoke, he spoke. It sounded like multitude of people speaking at the same time, right? Which is pretty cool, right? You think about this. Right. Um, let's see here. It says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw the great vision, and no strength was, was left in me, and my radiant appearance was, was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face um, in deep sleep with the face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, Man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have, have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince 
of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision uh, is for, for days yet to come. All right, so then this kind of goes into where he, he kind of begins to explain this, where we have some apocalyptic literature that happens right here where Daniel's now talking about things that happened in the last days. So the last couple chapters of Daniel are, are like the book of Revelation. It, it speaks to last days prophecy, all right? But the thing that we have to understand is this. Daniel started a fast and began to set his mind to pray for understanding about a vision that God had given him. Like God had given him a vision, he understand what it was. So he began to pray and ask God, like God, give me understanding. So the prayer is God, give me understanding. He's fasting for 21 days. And on the 24th day, okay, an angel shows up to give him the answer to his prayer. Okay, now the thing that we understand, the angel says that on the first day that you set your mind and you asked, I was on my way. But as I was on my way, the prince of the kingdom of Persia set against me, and we were in great warfare, and I couldn't get to you. Okay? I couldn't get to you. So then Michael, the archangel Michael, had to come to my rescue okay, and to help me out so that I could break away to get to you to deliver the answer for your prayer. Right? So a lot of times when we pray for things, we have to understand that there may be things happening in the spirit realm that we don't even know or warfare is raging on for the souls of man because the devil doesn't want you to have what God wants you to have. All right? So when God wants you to have something and he wants to do something for you, the devil doesn't want you to have that. When you begin to pray godly prayers and begin to pray for breakthrough in your life, you need to understand the devil don't want you to have breakthrough. He don't want good things to happen to you. He don't want things that, that, are, that are to bring glory to God and the kingdom of God to happen to you. And he's going to be opposition to that. So why do we persevere in prayer? Because it may not be that God's not answering your prayer. It may be that there is something going on that's keeping that prayer from getting to you, and you need to continue to pray for the kingdom of God to come. So you can't just say, well, like, goodness gracious, I prayed. You know, and, 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 and for, for Daniel, it was 24 days. For you, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be a year, a couple years. I don't know. We don't know what the holdup is or why it takes some time for our prayers to, to get through and to bring breakthrough in our life. But we don't stop. We don't stop just because we don't get it when we, don't want, when we want it, right? Just because we don't, we're not children anymore. We're not children anymore. We don't stop doing the things that we should do just because we don't get it when we want to get it. We do the things that we should do because it's the right thing for us to do because it honors and pleases the Lord. And, and, and sometimes God wants us to persevere in faith and have enduring faith in our life so, so that we don't become ungrateful, spiritually spoiled brats. And, and that's really what it is. When we don't get our answers prayed, when the moment, the moment that we, we pray them, when God doesn't do something, the moment we ask him to do something and we get all upset, we start pointing our finger at God, all right? We start, you know, questioning whether or not God really loves us. All that really shows is our lack of spiritual maturity, right? We're spiritually immature because we don't understand the circumstances and the place that we're at. We have to understand that 
that persistence in prayer is not only about making God move, Robert or um, Mike Hoover. It's not only about making God move on your behalf, but it's also about addressing spiritual warfare in your life and understanding that there are uh, spiritual things that happen um, that in, in, the, in the spiritual realm that are things that we need to continue to pray for. One of the reasons why, listen, one of the reasons why that, um, that answer came to Daniel as fast as it did is because Daniel was fasting and praying. Because Daniel was fasting and he was praying for something. And what it did is it accelerated the timetable of God. It accelerated what God wanted to do um, in, in, uh, around them. And, and that's what happens with us as well, is that, that when we do what we're, when we pray and when we fast, fasting has a way of accelerating God's timetable. You know, there's a story um, that Jesus told that um, he was, when, when, when he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was up there with Peter, James, and John. And when he came back down, he came back down to find the other nine disciples trying to cast a demon out of a kid. And when he came back down, you know, they, they couldn't do it. And this guy's, the kid's father was like, hey, man, I asked your disciples to help me, and they weren't able to help me. You know, I don't know what's going on. So Jesus, you know, um, he went over to the child. You know, he laid his hands on him, and he commanded the demon to came out, and the demon came out. And, and later on, the disciples were like, hey, how come, how come it wasn't working for us? All right? and, and understand that there were previous moments where Jesus had sent the disciples into the city to, to proclaim the kingdom and to cast out devils, and, and they were successful. So it wasn't like they'd never done it before and didn't know what they were doing. They, they had seen God do that on the behalf before, but it didn't happen this time. And so, well, how come it didn't happen? And, and Jesus said, some things can only happen through fasting and prayer. Some things in your life, some breakthroughs in your life will only happen through fasting and prayer. And understand that fasting is a form of persistent prayer. It's, it's a form of persistent prayer is what it is, right? Because you can't just fast for, you know, one hour. I mean, right? We could all do that. I'm fasting food for the next hour. So? Fasting is a form of persistent prayer, and Jesus said that some breakthroughs won't happen in your life unless you fast and unless you pray. That you have to show how serious you are to God about the situation. That God, I, I want you to move on my behalf more than I want food. I want you to move on my half, behalf more than I want to watch TV or, or get on social media or, or, or you know, whatever it is. Whatever it is that we choose to fast, it's, it's, a, it's positioning ourselves in a place where we say, I need, I need something in the spiritual realm to happen for me more importantly than I need something in the physical realm. And if you want to receive breakthrough in your life, you have to understand that um, that it's going to take some persistent prayer. So if you're praying for breakthrough and not seeing it, 
it's, it's possible a lot of times when you begin to pray for a breakthrough and you begin to ask God to do something that, that you can actually start experiencing greater temptation or greater frustration or greater disappointment. A lot of times that can happen in our life. The more we begin to pursue God, the more things start getting frustrating around us because the enemy's trying to knock us off course of our plan to move closer to God. See, a lot of times, if our, our life is just perfectly fine and we're just like happy-go-lucky with everything, maybe it's because we're not, we're not disrupting hell enough. Maybe it's because we're not determined to be an enemy of hell enough in our life to cause the enemy to get flustered, to want to, you know, you know, stir up some stuff. If you're, if you're praying for breakthrough and not seeing it, and in fact experiencing more temptation to discouragement or frustration or weariness or doubt or cynicism than before, you need to understand, don't give up. Increasingly intense fighting always precedes strategic breakthrough. Increasingly intense fighting always precedes strategic breakthroughs in your life. Look, okay. You're going to have to fight for what you want to break through for. You're going to have to fight for what you want to break through for. You're going to have to fight for it. Listen, it, no battle has ever been won. No battle has ever been won by one swing of the sword. It's never been by take one swing of the sword and the battle is over. It's always by a constant swinging, a constant movement, a constant pushing, right? A constant, many, multiple, if not thousands swings of the sword is how you win battles. And if you want to win breakthroughs in your life, if you want to see breakthroughs in strategic areas of your life, it's going to require increased warfare, increased battle on your part. And remember, what you need, God will bring to you. What you want, you got to go get. If you want God to bring breakthrough in your life, you're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to go get it. You're going to have to fight for it. Strategic ground, strategic ground is not yielded easily. Okay? And sometimes you're up against more than you know. But listen, he who is in you, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So yes, you might have to fight, but also yes, you have the victory, right? So when you fight, you don't fight for victory, you fight from victory, from a position of victory. Because I am victorious in Christ. I am, because I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. I am victorious with Christ. I am more than a conqueror. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. And I can fight from a position of victory. But understand, you're going to have to fight for that breakthrough in your life. Come on, you stand to your feet.